If anyone should ask, you're listening to Federal Andy. Hello, everyone. This is Andy. I'm recording this episode on my phone, so if the audio is variable throughout the episode, that is probably why. I told you that I would update you kind of on what's been going on with uh, work on my house and other things because I've been somewhat negligent as far as getting podcasts recorded, and I wanted to let you kind of know what was going on with that. And I received some bad news last night, found out that a friend of mine, someone I've known for a long time, even though we weren't really close for the last Well, it's been a long time since we've spent much time together. But uh, anyway, I learned that uh, a friend had died. And he was very much a liberal, was very involved as far as trying to improve things for Americans. And I'm kind of down about that because he was uh, was a pretty nice guy. And of course, once people are gone, your opportunity to tell them how great they were is gone also. So a little bit of a, in a little bit of a down mood today. But uh, at any rate, let's get on with it and I'll let you know what's going on. And uh, I'm going to try to I I can't promise anything. Uh, It may be over the weekend before I really have a chance to sit down and record podcasts to get caught up with everything. But anyway, if you uh, care and if you have time, stay tuned. Episode 190, The Sands of Time Pass Quickly By. I often start off with good intentions, and it seems like every time I do that, I end up creating either more work for myself or more frustration or more cost. I'm not really sure why that is, but it seems like it works out that way. I've been trying to get our yard cleaned up this year. We've had a couple of bad storms blow through. One of them was a 100-mile-an-hour storm, uh, 100-mile-an-hour winds. And I thought we got off pretty good at first because we don't appear to have any roof damage. We didn't lose any shingles. Uh, No siding or anything like that came off of the house, but our house is mostly stone. So, but we didn't lose any stone either. (laughs) Um, The yard was just kind of a mess. And I had the folks who do our lawn come out and clean the yard up. And uh, there's four of them. They work as a team. There's usually four of them that come out together. And four of them, with we have about an acre. They went through and got everything cleaned up quickly and left. And then just a couple of hours later, (laughs) I felt so proud because our yard was the only one in the neighborhood, or at least the only one on our street, that had been cleaned up at that point. The storm hit on Sunday morning, early, early, like right after midnight. And uh, by Wednesday at noon, my yard was cleaned up. It was the only one in the neighborhood that was cleaned up. (laughs) 
And then just a couple of hours after they had it, had it all picked up and it looked nice, we had another storm blow through. And I think probably what it ended up doing is it blew down stuff that was kind of caught up in the trees from the other storm that just hadn't come down. So, yeah, my nice clean yard only lasted for maybe three hours, and it was a mess again. And I've, I've tried to get the yard cleaned up. I've, I've had them do the flower beds. I've had them do all this stuff, but there still is just so much stuff in the yard. It doesn't hardly look like it's been picked up, other than obviously it has been picked up from the big storm, but there's just more stuff blowing through. And we noticed that there was a limb hanging down from a big tree kind of over our driveway. We have a semicircular driveway in the front. And, you know, it, it, you didn't notice it at first after the storm because the leaves were all green and you look up and everything's green and it's kind of hard to see not only which branches attached to which tree in some cases, but if there's something broken, if it's caught on something or whatever, you can't really tell. So we had this big branch on a big tree that had apparently cracked during the big storm. And it had just kind of, it was still attached to the tree, but it was hanging down. And it was kind of in a precarious position over the driveway and kind of over the roof of the house a little bit. Depending on which way it fell, it could have caused a lot of damage to the house. So I called uh, the guys to come back out, and they, they looked at it and said that they would get it on their schedule because they were busy. And then a few, oh, maybe a few days or a week later, I was home alone, and I heard this loud crash outside and the house kind of shook and I thought oh you know that that dang tree limb has fallen so I went outside and looked and didn't see it it was still hanging up there and I thought what in the heck was that that I just heard and I kind of looked around but I didn't see anything well, later I found out that it was another big branch, even bigger, on another tree that had actually fallen on the roof of our port cashier. And I've learned that a lot of people don't know what a port cashier is. Port cashier is kind of like a carport. It's kind of like a porch because it's actually part of the house. It's a, it's a structural, you know, it's, it's attached to the house itself. It's not an add-on like a metal carport would be. And uh, the driveway goes underneath it. There's uh, room for two big cars or four smaller cars under ours. And then the entry to our house, the front doors, is also underneath this port cashier. And... It's really nice to have those because when it's raining or something like that, you don't get wet. If you just can pull in underneath it, you're fine. Well, this tree limb fell on the roof of the port cashier. And so had to call the guys and I said, you're going to have to, <laughs> you're going to have to make sure to put me as a pr another priority among all of your other priorities because I now have another uh, tree limb that's fallen and, and is laying on the roof of my house. So the guy said that they would come out as soon as they could, and they came out pretty quickly. And I'll tell you, it was scary watching them cut down those limbs because the one tree limb that was hanging down over the driveway, the first one that we noticed that was, was needing to be removed, you couldn't get to it by standing on the roof and 
it was just up there so high that there wasn't any way to really reach it without getting a, you know, one of those uh, bucket things, you know, with the truck and the lift and all of that to get up there. And that's an additional expense and they didn't want to do that. So one of the guys just crawled up the tree and he had one of those long, uh, uh, like a pole saw, but it was actually, um, I guess it was gasoline powered. And I'll tell you, I... I was very concerned because you could sure hear that tree cracking, the, the, the branch that he was kind of crawling out on so that he could reach out and get this other branch. And they ended up putting uh, ropes, uh, getting ropes lassoed around uh, with a rope uh, around the branch that was broken so that they could pull it away from the house when it finally came down. And uh, the guy just went at it with his uh, chainsaw and uh, they were able to get it down. And he said that uh, the cracking was actually um, probably the broken part of the branch, but it was, <laughs> it's pretty terrifying to watch. The branch that was laying on top of our port cashier or carport was a much larger branch, but it was, I think, easier to do because they were able to actually stand on the roof of the structure and, and get to the branch. But they were very good. I was concerned, but they stood back and they evaluated the situation and they decided how to go about doing the job uh, with both of the branches and they devised a plan, decided who was going to do what and they did a great job. So I was uh, pleased to get that taken care of, but I've noticed that since we have had such extreme heat this year, a lot of my trees have a lot of dead leaves mixed in with green leaves. And I'm hoping that that's not a sign that I've got a bunch of trees that are getting ready to die. I have watered every single day, turned the irrigation system on to come on at three o'clock in the morning and water everything and didn't want to flood everything, but I wanted to make sure everything got watered every single day and early enough in the morning that it, the, the moisture would have a chance to soak into the ground. And the last three or four days in a row, we've actually had quite a bit of rain. I think Mother Nature is trying to apologize to all of the trees and everything for all the heat. I don't know, but uh, the rain has been wonderful and, and we're, we're no longer in the hundreds with temperatures where we've been in the 80s and the 90s, which is, you know, more seasonal for us. So anyway, but one of the things that concerned me with the tree branch laying on top of our port cashier is we have a couple of support posts that need to be replaced. My uh, port cashier is supported by six, I think they're four by six cedar posts, and two of them are like, oh, I don't know, they're probably 12 feet tall, something like that. They sit on a two foot tall stone wall, and then there's four more that are probably about eight feet tall. But uh, at some point, the soil in the yard, I guess because the, the yard has a bit of a slope, the rain pushed the soil down and the soil came in contact with those posts. And we had termites at some point, but it was before we bought the house. And we had everything looked at when we bought the house and they 
said, yeah, you know, these need to be replaced. They're not, um, they're not going to fail. But uh, when you get ready to repaint or something like that, go ahead and, and replace them. And we had it checked for termites. There were no active termites, uh, but we uh, actually had the house treated for termites anyway, since obviously they'd been around in the past. So we did the the termidor thing where they dig a, a uh, kind of a um, gully all around the house and then they mix up this chemical and they pour it in and it goes all the way around the house and then they cover it back up. And it's supposed to be good for like seven to 10 years. So we're probably getting to the point where we need to kind of plan on doing that again. But I had them do up the, the part up there where the posts were also, even though it's not right next to the house. And he said he couldn't find any signs that there was any uh, recent activity. So it, was, it had all been from years earlier. But I thought we're now holding up a big tree limb, <laughs> which was still partially attached to the tree. And I just thought, you know, I could just see that that, that whole thing falling. And uh, so I actually moved my car and parked it over uh, in front of the garage because uh, I didn't want my car sitting underneath there with that, all that weight sitting on the roof. So I've been getting estimates on replacing those four posts. And again, I've, I've mentioned this several times on this podcast. When you hear the Republicans complaining about the economy, uh, I don't see it. And I don't think a lot of other people do either because everybody is busy. Busy, busy, busy. I, I talked to one guy. I, I've been trying to kind of hire a contractor to take care of some of these things. And I talked to him back in July. And I think it was probably the, oh, maybe the second week of July. And he told me that he would be able to come out and take a look at everything sometime the last half of August. So, and that they would possibly be able to get started uh, late September. So, I don't know, uh, but everybody is busy. And I've posted uh, the, uh, the repair that I wanted on uh, a, a Facebook group. And I've been getting bids, but, you know, it's just kind of ridiculous when you think that, uh, you know, some of these, some of these places want a thousand dollars per post. And I'm just kind of thinking, are you kidding me? I was thinking maybe $500 per post. I was thinking $2,000 would be the high. That would be the upper limit is what I thought. And then they started giving me estimates that were higher than that. And I thought, are you kidding me? Seriously, to replace four cedar posts? I looked up the cost of the posts and it's, you know, not that much money. A couple of hundred dollars for all four of them. I mean, four foot by eight foot and two of those and, and four foot by 12 or 14 feet. Not that much. And a little bit of concrete, and they got to drill some holes in them. And I realize there's some work involved, but it's uh, most places have said it's probably a one day job, or that they might have to do uh, pour some concrete and let it dry uh, overnight. But at, at worst, it's a day and a day and a half, maybe day and a quarter. Anyway, I'm still getting uh, estimates on it, so some of them have begun to come in a little more reasonable. 
So uh, I want to get that taken care of so I don't have to worry about it again. And I'm going to have the landscape guys put in that metal uh, edging around the bed where the, uh, where the posts are so that uh, dirt can't come in contact with those new posts again. And they're going to use, you know, pressure-treated posts. So, and, they're, and they're painted, so... So anyway, that's what I've been doing, and I'm, I still need to get electricians out, and I want to have some uh, some of the seals on the windows replaced, and I've got a big old long list of stuff that I want to do, but it's just hard to get moving, and that kind of brings me to where I'm at right now. I'm just trying to move ahead and get some things done on the house. And I'm hoping I don't have more dead trees that have to be cut down. I've, I've I cut down, uh, I think we cut down four or five trees last year. I spent a ton of money trimming these trees. Trees are so essential to our environment right now, our climate, because they capture carbon, and of course they create oxygen, which we need. So we definitely need trees right now. But I'll tell you, your neighbors or your friends that live uh, in places where they have a lot of trees in their yard, be sure to thank them for helping Mother Nature because I'll tell you what, it is an expense having a lot of trees. Leaves have to be cleaned up in the winter, and it's where we are, it's months and months and months of, of, of leaves, uh, of leaf cleanup, because the leaves just, just keep falling. And uh, then in the spring, you got to clean up all of the little spirally, fuzzy things that are all over the place from the trees. But uh, keeping them trimmed and keeping them healthy and watered when, especially when we go through these droughts, is expensive. So just keep that in mind. And if you see somebody that's got a lot of trees in their yard and you happen to have the opportunity to thank them, you might do that because uh, <laughs> it costs them a lot of money to have all those trees. And then you drive by and you see these yards that don't have any trees in them and you're like, wow, deadbeat. <laughs> Why don't you do your part for humanity and life on this planet? At any rate, that kind of brings me to the death of my friend. And I, of course, hadn't planned on talking about this, but I thought maybe I ought to say some things. And that's coming up next. I'm at the age now where the list of friends and people that I've known in my life is pretty long. And if you divide the list into living and dead, I'm pretty much to the point where I think the, the people on the list of people I've known that are dead is probably much longer now than the list of the people I know who are alive. And that's kind of depressing, honestly. And I realize that uh, that is something that all of us have in our future, and we never know, we never know when the end of the road is going to come. And there's different ways of looking at it. I remember watching an interview with the actress Betty White. That uh, I always loved Betty White because she, she loved animals and she was funny. And everything I've heard about her indicated that she was really a kind and a, and a good person. 
And she lived to be almost 100 years old. She she died just before her 100th birthday. They were going to have a big birthday party for her. And she she passed away before they could have the party. But I remember that she was talking about death. And I don't remember if it was a conversation that she had when she was a little girl with her mother or I don't remember the specifics of it. But when someone that they knew had died, the mother said to Betty as a young child, well, now they know the secret. They know what happens when you die. They know the secret. Which is, I guess, a nice way of looking at it. I remember being shocked when Karen Carpenter died. Those of you who were around in the 70s probably remember the singing group, the Carpenters. They were easy listening for the most part, and they were a brother and sister act. Karen started off playing the drums, and she was the lead vocalist, and her brother Richard was the... Uh, well, he did a lot of the composing and the arranging. He played the piano, and he also sang as well. And there has been a lot of a lot of talk over the years about what kind of a family environment they lived in. But Karen Carpenter had an eating disorder, and this was back at a time when a lot of people were not familiar with eating disorders. They didn't really know how to treat them. And she died, and she was in her early 30s, died of a heart attack, I believe. And I remember hearing about it on the television one night. It was, uh, it was in the winter of uh, uh, 1983. I think it was February. And I was home that night. I was making chili. And I had the television on in the other room. And I was in the kitchen. And I heard something about Karen Carpenter. And, you know, I liked the Carpenters. They were okay. Not Probably not my favorite group, but I bought their records. And she had died. And I just thought... Wow, she was so young. Just didn't seem fair. But I remember on the, I believe it was the first album that was released after her death. I think it was, the album was titled Voice of the Heart. Richard had put someplace on the album cover or sleeve or somewhere. He wrote, Quote, few are the choices we are given. The sands of time pass quickly by, end quote. And that's kind of always stuck with me, and I'm not sure if that's the, the origination of that is from some other source, but that was the first time that I had uh, remembered seeing that. And it's really true. The sands of time pass quickly by, and the older you get, it seems the faster time passes to me. And I think that's because it, every second, every minute of your life is a much smaller part of your life the longer you live. And I think that's why it seems like time passes faster as you get older. But let me tell you a little bit about my friend. His name was Daryl, and uh, he died in May. I took a break from Facebook for 
about a year because I was trying to focus on getting things repaired around the house. I had a couple of projects in the house that I was working on that were just taking a lot of time. And unfortunately, one of the ones I spent a lot of time on isn't finished. And I'm not even close to being finished with it, but it's it's a big project and it's probably going to take me, I don't know, I'm not even going to guess how much longer to, I haven't done anything with it in months now because I ended up uh, hurting my back and uh, had to recover from that. And I was working on the podcast also. So I hadn't really heard anything about him not being well or anything like that. I noticed in a recent picture at some point before I uh, decided to take the break from Facebook, I noticed in a recent picture that he looked like he'd lost some weight. His face seemed... uh, He looked like he might not be doing very well, but I know that he was had been trying to lose weight at one point, and you know when you're when you've been heavier and he wasn't huge, but when you're heavier and you lose weight, it takes your skin a little bit of time to kind of uh, tighten up again, and I thought that was probably what was going on, but apparently there was something else also. So we weren't exactly close friends, or at least we hadn't been in recent years. But I first met him back in probably the late 60s or the very, very early 70s. He was, I think, about two years younger than me, three years, something like that. And he was actually in my younger brother's Cub Scouts group. And my mother was the den mother for that group. And I didn't join the Cub Scouts. I was a Boy Scout for a while, and I think my brother went on to be a Boy Scout as well. And my mom was also a den mother for for that. But mom would have Cub Scout meetings at the house after school, and I'm not sure how often she would do it, if it was monthly or I don't remember. Seems like sometimes they would do things more often, and then at other times they weren't quite as busy. But mom would tell me when I would come home from school that there was going to be a a Cub Scout meeting, and of course she would have her den mother uniform on, and she would say, grab something to eat, and uh, you might want to just go upstairs <laughs> to study or whatever because we're going to be busy for a while. So that was fine. But uh, Daryl was actually in my brother's Cub Scouts. And I remember meeting him. Of course, I met all of the Scouts. And then years later, in the late 70s, Daryl and I ended up working in the same place. And of course, we remembered each other and became friends. And Daryl was, uh, he was a nice guy. He was kind of quiet sometimes. I remember that he came over to my house one night. It was a summer, it was in the late 70s. We were gonna go do something. And we walked outside, and I could see behind his car, there was like this red glow. And I said, what's going on with your car? And he didn't know. And we walked back there and looked, and his brake lights were on. (laughs) And he wasn't in the car. Nobody was in the car. Key was out. Car wasn't running but the brake lights were on. And I said, well, your brake lights are stuck. And, you know, we messed around with the brake pedal and kind of tried to fool with the brake switch, but I didn't want to 
do a whole lot because, you know, the battery was connected. But we couldn't get them to flicker or do anything. And I said, uh, you're going to have a dead battery pretty quick. So I ended up following him home because his brake lights were always on. It was like he was riding the brake. And he drove his car home and disconnected the battery. And I said, you're going to have to probably take that in somewhere to have it fixed. And it was, I think if I remember correctly, it was the brake light switch was broken and it was stuck in the on position. <laughs> but he was kind of like, oh, well, I'll get it fixed in the next week or so. And I said, uh, you're going to have a dead battery. From two lights, he had a 19, I think it was a 1972 Chevrolet Chevelle. It was a two-door, kind of had kind of a little sporty. It was kind of a brown color. I don't think it was chocolate brown. It was kind of more like a ginger brown, I guess. And it had a beige vinyl top and a beige interior. And uh, it just had two round tail lights and then inboard from those were two round backup lights with reflectors around them. And he said, two bulbs is gonna run the battery down that fast? And I said, well, yeah, yeah. I remembered that my dad, uh, I drove my dad's car one night. He had a 1975 Oldsmobile 98 Regency. It was a four door hardtop, silver metallic, silver vinyl roof, and it had a silver pillowed velour interior with embroidery on the seats. It was a real fancy car. It was like a year old. He'd, he had it since it was new. And I went somewhere one night and drove it home and parked it. And it had the feature where if you pushed on the door handle, the interior lights would come on to light up your interior and I think there was like a uh, a light on the door handle that would light up the uh, the lock so you could see where you were supposed to put your key. This was kind of back before they had remote key fobs and stuff like that. And the lights were on a timer so you could unlock the door and you could open it and you could get in the car and you could close the door and they would stay on for a certain period of time and then they'd shut off by themselves or I think when you put the key in the ignition and turn the key on, the lights would go off unless there was a door open. Well, anyway, whatever the little relay was that, or the timer or whatever it was that kept the lights on, uh, it apparently broke that night when I got the car home. And when I opened the door to get out of the car, I hit the lock, power lock, and closed the door and went in the house. Well, the lights never shut off. And I don't remember how many lights that car had inside. I think there were probably, I can kind of remember one, two, three, four, five, six, probably eight, something like that. Maybe more. I don't know. But anyway, overnight, that ran the battery down. And so dad went out the next morning to go to work and the car wouldn't start. Battery was dead. So dad came back in the house and he said, uh, did the car run okay last night? And I said, yeah, it was fine, why? And he said, well, the battery's dead this morning. And his wife at the time, wife number two, commented, well, you must have left the lights on last night. And Dad said, no, the headlight switch is turned off. It's off. And I thought, you know, I just wanted to, well, I won't say what I wanted to do, but I wanted to say something to her. Anyway, uh, they took the car in, and it was the relay got stuck. It wasn't anything that I did. Of course, I was somehow probably held responsible for it anyway. <laughs> but I told 
Daryl, I said, you're, yeah, you're going to have to get this fixed. Shouldn't be very expensive, but you know, it's just, it's probably just a brake light switch, but I, I'm not sure what's involved, but he took it to a gas station and they put a new brake light switch in it and fixed it. But he was a uh, very progressive person, and that was kind of, I would see his posts on Facebook, and we shared similar political views, and uh, it's unfortunate that uh, we didn't get the chance to see each other again. We communicated through messaging on Facebook a few times, and he brought up the fact that he remembered uh, coming to our house after school for uh, scout meetings. So, but when they're gone, they're gone. And that kind of made me think that we all have a limited amount of time here. And I started thinking about all of the stuff that's going on in the world today with climate issues and the nonsense that we have to put up with from our elected officials. And some of them just act like it's a big old game, like they've got all the time in the world and so does everybody else. And they're going to do all of these stupid fake investigations of people who, so far, I've seen no evidence that they've done anything wrong. If they have, yeah, go after them. But unless you're 100% sure that there's probably going to be something at the end of the road when you're finished, don't waste your time on it because there are people's lives that are hanging in the balance. We've got people that are still making $7.25 an hour in some states. And it's been like that for a long time. Why are our politicians not fixing that? That's a hardship for a lot of people. And they could do something about it, but they don't. People are having a difficult time paying for medical bills. They need to fix that. You cannot put a third party dead in the middle between patients and doctors and have that third party have a goal of making a profit. Well, somebody's going to have to pay more for medical care. That's going to be the patient. And when you've got these yahoos saying, oh, you know, we're not going to cover that or we're not going to do that, we're not going to pay for that test, that's life and death. Those are death panels. We've heard that before from Republicans. But yeah, it, death panels work for the insurance companies. The insurance companies are making a fortune. That money needs to go to something else. Those people need to go find another way of earning a living because they're like vultures, they're scavengers. And a lot of people have died because of them. A lot of people have gone bankrupt because of them, and it's time to stop it. Prior to 1973, healthcare was a not-for-profit industry in this country. And doctors still did pretty well. Hospitals were still able to build big buildings and have the latest medical equipment. But, you know, when you've got a company earning hundreds of millions of dollars a year in profit, that's ridiculous. That's money that needs to go to taking care of people instead of making sure the CEO can keep his wife happy by redecorating their home on Martha's Vineyard once a year so that the Thanksgiving guests don't have to look at the same decor from the year before. Gasp. We don't have time to mess around. 
every day that goes by that some idiot in Congress like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert or Matt Gates or Kevin McCarthy or Jim Jordan or Elise Stefanik yaks about some fake trumped-up issue that's nothing but a bunch of BS is a day that other people are suffering and we lose some of them every day. And that's shameful. They ought to be, they ought to hang their head in, in shame when they're in public for not doing a better job taking care of the American people. They took an oath that they would do that. They, they would defend and protect the Constitution. And now they're defending and protecting a criminal and a crook like Donald Trump. And I can tell you this, Daryl hated Donald Trump. Hated him. And you know, it takes a lot more energy to hate someone than it does to just love them or just ignore them. Truly, it does. But now we've got this Donald Trump trying to delay, 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 because that's what he's always done. And he's, what, 77 years old? How long does he think he has left to live? Does he think he's going to live forever? He's just going to waste everybody's time and taxpayer money trying to stay out of prison? Is that the deal? Probably. Typically, that's what he's done in the past, but he's he's a waste of our time and our efforts. And the sands of time pass quickly by. And while we're focusing on Donald Trump and his crimes and his attempts to divert attention from his crimes by saying that it's all a witch hunt, he didn't do anything wrong. They're trying to take my First Amendment rights away from me. Well, if he, he was the president. He doesn't have an, any clue what First Amendment is about. It protects free speech, yes, but there are limitations to it. You cannot incite people to do things that would hurt others. That isn't free speech. You can't say anything that you want to. There are limits. And he can lie, but he acted on his lies. And you know what? That's not free speech. That is when you act on something, when you actually do something, those are your actions and you're responsible for them. But it just kind of made me sad. I, uh, I hadn't seen anything from Daryl on Facebook since I kind of re-engaged a few weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago. And so I thought I would just go over and say, hi, I've got a couple of friends that are like missing from Facebook right now. And nobody's really sure what's going on. And I'm sure there were some people that were wondering about me as well because when I decided I needed to take a break from Facebook, it was because I had so many other things going on. I just truly didn't even have time to go to Facebook and say, I'm taking a break, folks. But uh, I wondered why I hadn't seen anything from Daryl because usually he would pop up in political stuff. And sometimes he, it would be a couple of days later because he, he was busy. But I went over, I was just going to say hi, and then I noticed that he had passed away. And he had passed away back in May. And I thought, geez, it's a shame. And in a way, I kind of wish that he had hung around long enough to see all of these indictments and the court cases and hopefully the convictions and the imprisonment because confining Donald Trump to Mar-a-Lago 
with, uh, you know, an ankle monitor is not punishment. No. That's basically allowing him to continue to live his life pretty much the way he's doing it anyway. No, we need to take him out of his comfort zone and put him someplace where he has to spend every day and every night remembering the reason why he's there. And that isn't going to work at Mar-a-Lago. And I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to be happy with that. Justice needs to be served. And you know what? He's already being treated special. And I'm tired of that. And I hope that he's going to come up against a judge who is going to say, Mr. Trump, you were told that this is not acceptable and you did it anyway. You are going to have to stay in custody until your trial. Period. Doesn't matter. You are no longer the president. You are a former president, and you <laughs> have got a long list of indictments and charges against you already and more forthcoming. We're going to lock you up because you, are, you can't be trusted to do the right thing, and you're going to have to learn to respect the law. You cannot just do anything and everything you want to do because you think you're important and nobody else is as important as you. So, from now on, everything I do politically, I'm going to be doing it for Daryl as well because he can't do it. And for those of you who are listening, when you get involved in political things, if you post things, do it for Daryl. He would appreciate it. And let's hope that the outcome down the road is one that will be acceptable to all of us and one that Daryl will be happy with as well. So, Daryl, sorry we didn't get a chance to reconnect. Miss you. And I hope you rest in peace. You were a good guy. And on that note, I'm going to bid all of you a farewell for now. I will, gosh, Thursday and Friday probably, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get a podcast out. Maybe on Saturday or possibly Sunday, I'm not sure. I'll do it as soon as I can. And we've got a lot to talk about, and there's no telling. I'm sure right now there's probably something going on that will uh, give me another reason to talk about something. As always, I appreciate your time because, as I am very well aware of after Daryl, time is... uh, Time is of the essence, and time is all that we really have to offer anyone else, isn't it? Time. Because our time, in many ways, is love. Take care. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at FederalAndy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week.